You are listening to Love, Maine Radio, hosted by Dr. Lisa Belisle and recorded at the studios of Maine Magazine in Portland. Dr. Lisa Belisle is a writer and physician who practices family medicine and acupuncture in Thompson. Show summaries are available at lovemainradio.com. Portland Art Gallery is proud to sponsor Love, Maine Radio. Portland Art Gallery is the city's largest and is located in the heart of the Old Port at 154 Middle Street. The gallery focuses on exhibiting the work of contemporary Maine artists and hosts a series of monthly solo shows in its newly expanded space, including Ingen Jorgensen, Brenda Sirioni, Daniel Corey, Jill Hoy, and Dave Allen. For complete show details, please visit our website at artcollectormain.com. Love, Maine Radio is also brought to you by Aristel, a lingerie boutique on Exchange Street in Portland's Old Port, where every body is seen as a work of art and beauty is celebrated from the inside out. Shop with us in person or online at aristel.com. Jesse Dowling is the owner of Fuzzy Utter Creamery in Whitefield and president of the Maine Cheese Guild. Sam May is at the advisory board chair at the Maine Harvest Credit Project, an organization aiming to open a credit union supporting small farms and food businesses. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. I'm interested in what you're doing because we talk a lot about creating sustainability for small businesses, and this is a very um, important step, making funds available through a credit union, which is interesting. Yeah, well, it's very interesting. It's also, uh, it's an innovative approach. Um, Maine farms and food businesses definitely need access to appropriately priced and scaled financing. And Maine Harvest Credit Project, which is looking to form a credit union statewide under the auspices of Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association, MOFCA, and Maine Farmland Trust, MFT, uh, to provide, to, to create a financing platform that can be available to farmers for farmland access and food producers on a statewide basis. So why a credit union versus just a small bank? Well, the short answer is that it, we're, we're raising $2.4 million to start a credit union. Uh, to start a new bank would be 25 to $35 million, so it's an order of magnitude less. Um, and um, we believe a credit union is the right platform to use. Obviously, it's less expensive. Um, it also is a member-governed, uh, cooperatively uh, structured institution. Um, so it can use uh, a lot of, it has access to a lot of resources that would, that in the form of a bank would be too big for the scale of the problem in Maine. Jesse, tell me what your experience has been with this organization. Um, well, I've been in communication with Sam A and Scott Buddy, and I've been really excited about uh, the potential for a credit union that's focusing on farmers and farm-based businesses because uh, farmers like me end up in a situation where we have a hard time finding the credit for the projects that we're doing. Um, you can get a mortgage from the farm service agency, but there's a lot of red strings attached around uh, how much uh, you know milk you produce on your farm if you're making cheese or how much of the raw product you're producing if you're doing a value-added product. It might not make sense to produce it all yourself right away as you're trying to build your business. Um, so that's where I've been really interested in the Maine Harvest Credit Union. It sounds like what the Maine Harvest Credit Union would be able to offer would be kind of a 
something more along the small scales that small farms and small businesses would need? Well, we think it's appropriately scaled. So we have we envision three loan products. One is a land loan product in the $250,000 range, and then business loans in the $100,000 range, and equipment loans in the $25,000 range. So, um, and your typical evolving farm, diversified farm in Maine, um, often is looking at farmland in the two to three hundred thousand dollar price range. So, and we can offer a product that would be very compelling with excellent, uh, excellent rates uh, for that sort of access. And then, in Jesse's case, um, Maine cheese producers, uh, a lot of our stronger, evolving, smaller foodstuff manufacturers that are concentrating on very high quality local products sourced from local foods from local local uh, products um, they really are looking at business loans for expansion of a cheese room a dairy room um, in the you know in this in the 50 to 150 thousand dollar size so we're going to be appropriately that that's going to be right in our sweet spot in terms of what we lend so it's not for really big 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 projects you know they will move on to commercial banks but for the uh, you know, evolving small food producer in Maine that needs a new cheese room or a new cider uh, processing facility for hard cider. Uh, some of the craft distillers, distilleries, they are in need of funds that would be right in our sweet spot. Jesse, how did you choose to focus on cheese? Oh, um, well, I did a master's in food policy in London and was learning about kind of food issues and food insecurity and issues of industrial agriculture on a global scale and I felt like the best way I could really make a difference was to become a farmer and I worked on a lot of different farms and I found myself through the MOFCA Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association's uh, apprenticeship program I found two apprenticeships one at a sheep dairy and one at a goat dairy in Appleton and Union um, and I just it just clicked um, I started working for Appleton Creamery and I stayed there uh, for five years until I learned um, that I wanted to do on my own. I see that you have a, a goat tattoo on your arm, so I'm assuming you must have an affinity for that particular uh, animal. Yeah, I started with goats. Uh, I also love sheep equally. Um, uh, yeah, sheep and goat's milk is awesome. I also use cow's milk cheese. I, I'm pretty into milks. <laughs> Sam, is this part of the business important to you? I mean, I know that you uh, are on the board of the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. Uh, you're also on the steering committee of the Slow Money Maine um, organization. Is food important to our economy? I think food is very important to our economy, and a relocalized food system in Maine it'll have a lot of uh, it'll have a lot of health benefits for people. We know that nutrient dense food is much is you know incredibly important for people's health. Um, and then I, I would just back up and say a word about MOFCA and MFT, Maine Farmland Trust. You know, we're very blessed in this state to have very strong institutions that have been working very hard for a long period of time. MOFCA, through its Journey Person program, is training new farmers. Maine Farmland Trust is helping to find access to farmland for farmers. The restaurant community here in Portland is a huge is hugely important in this sector. Mainers have an appreciation. We've always had an appreciation for local food, blueberries, lobsters, um, fiddleheads. <coughs> you know, we like to eat food in season, um, and uh, but we import 95% of the food that we consume comes from out of state. And um, but there's a keen interest in a revitalized food system in Maine. 
and that's you know the 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 Portland restaurant scene is is definitely showcases all of that. But we have a lot of producers working hard that have been trained through Mofka Maine Farmland Trust to be on the land to be producing food and now making value added, great tasting cheeses, craft brews, craft distills, food stuff, you know, food products. And we have a lot of work to do to revitalize that infrastructure and those production facilities and we need we need access to fairly priced capital for growth to occur in those sectors. Is there something about the um, emotional connection that we make with food and specifically locally produced uh, foods like goat's milk cheese or sheep's milk cheese or even a cow's milk cheese that is going to help us be more successful in the future at getting locally grown and locally created uh, products available on a more year-round basis? Jesse, do you want to speak to that first because you're a producer? Yeah, I I mean, I would say yes. Uh, obviously, I'm biased, um, but I do believe that, you know, farmers are the best stewards of the land and if we take care of our land environment, we'll be able to produce more food for people for multiple generations. I think industrial agriculture has proven time and time again uh, that, you know, it's not sustainable. And so um, not only is it, um, you know, better for the environment, but knowing who's growing your food, knowing how they're taking care of their animals, knowing, knowing about where that food is coming from, I have to believe that that is going to make a difference in the future. Yeah, I think it's going to make a tremendous difference. The interest, consumers have a real desire to eat locally sourced food because they understand the health benefits of that. They also understand the community benefit of that. I mean, this is about, re, it's not, it's, it's a relocalized food economy, which will help to revitalize our rural economies. And it will also help with population health. Um, uh, you know, and, and people understand that. Look at the growth in fermented foods. To people, the connection to the microbiome, to the important health considerations for eating fermented foods for personal health. Most, but I think a lot of people are responding to fermented foods. There's an explosion in fermented foods. We have some great producers of a wide variety of fermented food products. Do people, are they, are they going out and shopping because they want their microbiome to be healthy? No, but they, but they do know that at some intuitive level. And I think that's an important, you know, people want to eat a locally produced cheese, a locally sourced milk. They, people are interested in terroir and their wine. Well, why shouldn't they make that connection to their parsnip? You know, the it's 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 the same set of features. You know, it's a it's a it's a revitalized soil that is producing the health benefits in the foods that people are eating. And then you have all the economic multiplier effects of of sourcing, producing, and sourcing food that's local. In many of the conversations I've had recently, I'm running across people similar to you, Jesse, that have um, an academic background in the subject, but also a very practical interest in the subject of food systems. And it seems like this is becoming more and more important that that the two worlds need to coexist, actually, along with the idea of um, being able to finance things. Uh, Yeah, I think that um, the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. And I felt like 
learning how to actually produce food was the best way to influence farm policy. Um, that's why I'm really excited to be uh, working with the Maine Cheese Guild to promote cheese in Maine. We're really hoping that when people look at Maine and they think, oh, I'm gonna come to Maine for vacation and you know they think lobsters and blueberries, they're gonna also gonna think, you know, Maine has these amazing cheeses. We're the fastest growing um, state in the country for cheesemakers. Uh, we, we have probably more cheesemakers per capita than anywhere. There's almost 100 facilities in Maine that are making cheese and they're all small scale. And it's a very exciting time to be a cheesemaker. But I think the biggest um, issue with cheesemaking in Maine right now is we have all these new producers. And as we all are learning to grow our businesses, we're finding that like going from a small scale to mid scale to kind of trying to like long term age our businesses is very difficult in this current uh, economic climate, which is why I'm so excited to be um, talking more to the Maine Harvest Credit Project. So Lisa, on the um, you know the the sort of the new immigrants to Maine, you know the uh, the, the well-educated uh, people that are coming here and looking at 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 set, putting down some roots to become farmers or food producers, um, you know that's an incredibly key aspect. Mofka's Journey Person program is there. Uh, our traditional ways of passing on farming knowledge from one generation to the other have been broken by various larger economic forces and now we have a lot of young people that are college educated um, and they show up with a lot of uh, interest and knowledge about global food issues but they don't know how to fix a John Deere tractor and they and and so we have you know we have big infrastructure and uh, educational gaps that have to be filled if we're going to if we're going to bring this thing home and really revitalize and relocalize our food economy, then we're going to have to have infrastructure elements there. Maine Harvest Credit Project, the Credit Union being one of those. We're blessed here in Maine to have some uh, to have some very important institutions that have been working for a very long time, uh, specifically MOFCA and Maine Farmland Trust, that have been working to help provide training for for young farmers. Uh, to help grow our markets. Uh, there's a lot of support for our farmers markets and for our food distribution system. Uh, Maine Farmland Trust has a lot of very key programs for not only protecting farmland but putting that farmland back into the hands of young farmers for production. Um, we also have uh, our Slow Money Maine chapter in, uh, here in, in Maine is one of the largest in the country and has been working for several years, many years now, to help provide financing for Food entrepreneurs and uh, and a lot of other uh, a lot of other parties that are that are working on this very difficult problem of how do we actually reconstruct a local food system and have that food system underpinned by some of the elements of infrastructure that are so key, whether that's uh, new slaughterhouses um, or whether that's uh, some grain processing. Uh, I'm thinking of the Somerset Gristmill in Skowhegan, which has emerged as a very large player and is now contracting with farmers to grow uh, human-grade grains for milling and production. Um, we also one another instant I can think instance I can think of is uh, is some of our m barley malt producers Blue Ox uh, nearby in Lisbon. Um, you know our our, our our growth growing main craft uh, brewers are now able to source barley malt that's grown in Maine and 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 produced into barley malt here in Maine so they can produce a 100 uh, well 100 percent locally sourced barley malt for their beer so those all those uh, businesses have taken significant infrastructure uh, upgrades that have required capital and I, I think that's what we're talking about it's it's not it's very difficult to rebuild 
some of the elements of infrastructure that will underpin a re relocalized food system. Jesse, you said that you spent time um, learning about the, the trade from a local farm, and that was very important to you. How did you, how did you find out about the local farm, meeting someone who could um, take part in their organization as in, in this learning capacity? Right. Um, well, that was one of the reasons why I was farming in Maine, is that I had heard about Mofka's apprenticeship program, and it was really easy online to read different listings of different farms, and I visited about 12 farms in 2007 when I was looking to apprentice and I ended up settling on Appleton Creamery and Ells Farm Sheep Dairy which were in neighboring towns and split my time between the two um, but the listings were really helpful and I was able to then visit the farms and kind of make the right fit. Is this something that you had any experience with um, growing up when you were in school. I'm not sure exactly where you're from. Yeah, no, I'm originally from right outside Washington, D.C., on the Virginia So side. there's not a lot of cows out there? No, there's actually sheep? no livestock in Arlington County. Um, but I, when I went to college in California, I went to one of the Claremont colleges in Claremont, California, and there was a student-led gorilla garden that became part of the college's master plan on Pomona's campus. And because students were learning about farming on their own terms, and then they planted, like, hundreds of fruit trees and this small several acre plot and the school saw how how much learning was happening on this hands-on way um it was a really exciting um part to be part of so then I was I was hooked after that I was like wow you can engage the local community and through food and th that just sold it for me and somehow you found your way to London yeah to study yeah. this I further. worked at the Center for Food Safety as an intern in 2004 and I was working on fighting genetically modified foods um, in DC and I found out about um, some master's programs in in London that were on that topic and it's very very exciting time I, I think Jessie's you know her her story is um, is interesting and it's uh, it's not all that normal I mean, it's, it's it, in some in some ways it's 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 exceptional, but in other ways, it's it's uh, indicative of some of the the strong work that's been done here in Maine by MoFCA and MFT and other institutions. I mean, Jesse went to college in California. She went to university in London. She's from Washington D.C. How did she get to Maine, and why did she come here? And there were institutions on the ground that were working. Uh, at solving real problems that she could could see from a conceptual perspective were meaningful and important. Why did she end up on the ground here? That's an interesting question, and I think it's because we've actually been doing a lot of good work here in Maine from a very Maine perspective to tackle problems locally and with the situation on the ground that she saw here in Maine attracted her from her big pers her, her big conceptual perspective of what the problems were with the, in the world with the food system and now she finds herself in Whitefield with sheep and goats and the neighbors cows producing some really good cheese that's resonating with the market and that's that's what we have going for us here in Maine and, and we need to have other elements of infrastructure to support the growth of her vision and her product um, to take her, her craft artisan cheese to, a, to another level and allow her to grow to the, to the level that she's comfortable with. That doesn't mean that she has to you know, make the next largest na nationwide cheese, but she has an opportunity to grow 
her business and, and the Maine Cheese Guild is working hard to help support all the cheese producers in Maine to reach their full potential. And that includes market development, but, and it's going to also require infrastructure in terms of financing to help fund that. One of the questions that I have um, been pondering as you've been talking is the fact that Vermont is known for cows and cheese. We happen to be known for lobsters but, and blueberries and, I don't know, I guess summer corn. But we've always had cows. So why did Vermont get to be known as the cheese place and the cow place? How did that, how did that happen? It's a really good question. Um, one thing that I do look at is that the way that um, government funding for cheese, um, there's a, the, I'm not sure about the names of all the organizations, but um, there's, no, there's no money coming from the Maine state government going to cheese, but I know that with, in Vermont, there's, there's quite a bunch of funds that are going into the, I, I don't know if it's going directly to the cheese council or if it's going to cheese makers, but I think that their, their state government is more supportive of their cheese community. And it might be because they do have that notoriety. I think they've had cheese making happening in Vermont perhaps on a larger scale longer. I mean, they have Cabot, which is a much larger producer than what we have in Maine. Our largest producer is Pineland Farms, and they're, they're, not, they're large, but I don't think they have the market reach that Cabot has. So I think we're a growing industry, and um, hopefully over time we'll get more support from our state government as well. And it just speaks to the fact that there's, there's a lot of backstory to all of these things. It's not as straightforward as Vermont has good cows and therefore the best cheese and therefore that's, that's what they've become known for. I mean, there are lobsters in other parts of the country and other parts of the world and whatever it was about Maine, somehow that all worked to that benefit. And now we have to figure out how to make it work for other industries. So the lobster business in Maine is about, I think the, the boat landing, it's about a half a billion dollars in um, you know 500 600 million dollars um, the uh, you know we that's that's a large business but it has an iconic place in our consciousness um, we've got a number of small food sectors how big is craft brewing now in Maine it may be approaching that amount um, cheese is maybe a 20 million dollar a year 25 million dollar a year business in Maine it could be 125 million dollars a year in five years but there's going to be there's a lot of infrastructure required so I think uh, Maine's a large state it's as big as the other five states of New England combined we have twice the population of Vermont there are a lot of other sectors that are com- that are vying and legitimately vying for um, for mind share in, in terms of what, how Mainers conceive of their local food. But, uh, you know, I see no reason why artisan-produced local cheese in Maine can't become uh, a much bigger element of Maine's food consciousness. And we have, we have the land, we have the cows, we have the resources, and we have the young entrepreneurs such as Jesse and, and older entrepreneurs that are also working on, uh, on cheese production. So we want to be able to support the, the, the new food sectors that are going to emerge that take the best that make the best use of Maine's resources. And certainly cheese is one of those, but there are a lot of other candidates here in Maine. Did we have to almost go through this, um, I guess this uh, downplaying of the importance of local foods in order for us to come back again so strong? I mean, back in the 80s, though, with, with big agriculture, there were a lot of farms that failed in a very big way nationally, um, but I think also in Maine. It almost seems as though we had to get that far down to the bottom before we actually started to value small farms again. I'm I'm just putting this yeah, out there. Yeah, I don't know thought. if we had to. I mean, the the 
uh, Nixon's uh, uh, USDA uh, secretary, Earl Butts, who was uh, an economist engineer from Purdue, I believe, or maybe Notre Dame, I think it's Purdue, um, he's the one who famously said, get bigger, get out. Um, there was a Wendell Berry movie at Space Gallery a couple of weeks ago, and they were very clear about, you know, yes, there was a lot of emphasis on uh, the, the, the USDA's official government policy was we're going to scale up food production, we're going to reduce the number of farmers. As a result of that, the USDA has a rural program which actually supports housing for displaced farm people in rural communities throughout the country. There were a lot of economic uh, forces at work to to scale up food and to 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 marginalize, to de-emphasize, and to put out of business small-scale producers. That's come at a tremendous, tremendous cost to population health in the U.S. I mean, we have a, a crisis of obesity, diabetes, chronic complex diseases. Those are all directly related to the production of an industrial commodity agriculture product that is the biggest vector of public disease in the country, I think, that we've ever experienced. And we're not going to get out of that if we don't you know, have a better local nutrient-dense food. And it could be local, it could not be local. It's not, but local is a good way to approach this. If you want to eat nutrient-dense food that's actually good for you and not a vector of public disease, try local organic, locally sourced food. This isn't the first time that we've dealt with um, people who have come back to the land, essentially. I mean, we were Maine right. was known for this back several decades. And it, it seems as though there there's almost a cyclical aspect to this. Would you agree? Definitely. No, uh, you asked me about how I got to Maine. I came to Maine in 1954 because my father was the first instructor of wood turning at Haystack two years after it was founded. Haystack Mountain School of Crafts was a back-to-the-land movement of post-World War II urbanites who wanted to move to New Hampshire, Maine, Vermont. The Nearings moved to Vermont in the early 1950s. Um, I grew up in the back to the... I was from Maine. I didn't have to move back to Maine, but uh, when I graduated from college, everybody was moving to Searsmont and Montville and Appleton in the 70s and the late 60s. Um, we've had successive waves. I mean, this is this is a this is a this is a clear wave pattern. There is nothing you you can't describe it as anything but a series of waves. And we keep coming back to this. And we but now we have a very clear, strong opportunity to catch this wave. Let's get let's get all ten toes up on front of the board and be going down the wave, not be swimming to get up the wave. Uh, you know, I, yeah, we don't want to miss this wave. This is an important opportunity, and we have we're and our, we're so blessed here in Portland. We have a food business here in Portland, a restaurant scene that's leading that way. We have a lot of consumers that are passionate about eating local food, and we need to we we need to support the producers and the farmers and give them some economic vitality and viability. So uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Lisa. This is just another it's another wave, but let's catch it a little better this time. Jesse, did you know that you were going to be part of this movement, or did you just have a sense that you were following what it was that you were meant to be doing? Well, I, I think I had a political awakening when I was uh, volunteering on a Native American reservation in um, Arizona when I was in college, and seeing the connection between people and land and how important water was, and how if we don't protect our environment, then people can't have the cultures that they have been having, and those connections just made me 
have a fire under me since then. So I'm kind of on a track to uh, supporting small scale local agriculture. That's kind of my life goal. Well, I appreciate you're both taking the time out of your very busy schedules to come in today. I've been speaking with Jesse Dowling, who's the owner of Fuzzy Utter Creamery in Whitefield and president of the Maine Cheese Guild, and also Sam May, who is an advisory board chair at the Maine Harvest Credit Project, an organization aiming to open a credit union supporting small farms and food businesses. Thank you so much for your good work and for your time today. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you for having us. Love Maine Radio is brought to you by Maine Magazine, Aristel, Portland Art Gallery, and Art Collector Maine. Audio production and original music are by Spencer Albee. Our editorial producers are Paul Koenig and Brittany Cost. Our assistant producer is Shelby Wasik. Our community development manager is Casey Lovejoy. And our executive producers are Kevin Thomas, Rebecca Falzano, and Dr. Lisa Belisle. For more information on our production team, Maine Magazine, or any of the guests featured here today, please visit us at lovemainradio.com.